and welcome to episode 7 of Game On Girl. This is your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with two Zs, as I'm known on Twitter. Uh, today, Rhonda and I have another very exciting episode for you, uh, sort of rounding out our discussion of the gamer types. We've talked to self-gamers, self-mastery gamers, um, and people who, who sort of fall in those two categories. But today we're, we're going to be able to talk to a gamer who falls into the, the third and more elusive category. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah, so, so uh, Sharon is here with us today. So say hello. Hello. <laughs> I've never been called elusive before. That's exciting. <laughs> there you go. So you didn't even know the value that you held. <laughs> I'm already sitting up straight. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Sharon was one of the original participants in my study, and she is a role player. So the, the category of gamers that, that surprised me the most that came out of the, the dissertation research were the people who go in and create sort of separate new identities as they're playing online, which, you know, in hindsight probably should have been something that I understood since, you know, it is an MMORPG usually. <laughs> So Sharon, yeah, but do you do, but do you classify as a role player though? Regina? Do I me? do I as Reg- uh, oh myself as a gamer? Yeah. Oh no, no, not at all. I n- I never. I mean, I knew oh. I knew people who role played. I know I know people who do oh, live okay. action role playing and things like that. But um, I've I've never sort of delved into that. Although oh, okay. I started to sort of experiment with it, at least in my mind, a little bit once I sort of realized that other people were doing it. Sorry about that. Backstories. That's okay. <laughs> uh, you want to tell us a little of your background, uh, Sharon, about your gaming experience and what you're playing now? Oh, goodness. Um, how long is this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Try to keep it about an hour. <laughs> I, I actually, I do not have a background in pen and paper role-playing, role-playing games, anything of that nature. I've never been involved in MUDs or, or any kind of uh, role-playing outside of MMOs, except for in, dabbling a little after I got into role-playing in MMOs. Um, I got involved, actually, in gaming due to my son, who at the time he was fairly young, about um, 10 years old, and he was playing card games. And the the kind of uh, collectible role playing card games like Magic and and he was into Pokemon for a while, and he got into the card game, the Lord of the Rings card game. So we've always been Tolkien fans. I read them the Tolkien books when they were growing up, my kids, or when they were young. We'd read them bedtime stories, and Tolkien was one of their favorites. So when the movies came out, they were very captivated by those, and my son started playing the card game associated with it. And being a good, dutiful mom, I played along with him, got to know it, and that kind of pulled us into a larger gaming stratus, as it were. And he played well enough that he qualified for uh, some gaming competitions. And we found, while doing some searches for Lord of the Rings gaming, that there was a game in development that at the time was called Middle Earth Online. And it had not come out yet. It had kind of a shaky background. It had been started a time or two and then kind of fell off. But had been picked up by Chris Taylor and was being developed by a company called Turbine. 
So we got very excited by that and found a website, a fan site, that even though the game hadn't been developed, that we uh, could join and talk about the upcoming game and the developers sometime would come in and make comments and, and such. So we got involved with this website and I ended up, the long story short, I ended up becoming one of the co-owners of the website. Wow. And part of what we did, because the game was still in development, it hadn't happened yet, is that we had a lot of people coming in that were gamers and literary enthusiasts and role players. And we kind of developed a community that was looking forward to this game so a lot of people bringing in a lot of insight, a lot of hopes, a lot of dreams, a lot of uh, role-playing aspects to it. Like, do you want to be a dwarf? Do you want to be a hobbit? Do you want to be... And out of that came some forum role-play. So oh, I got involved in yeah, exactly. role-play, uh, in, in forum role-play, and actually really enjoyed that. So it was sort of uh, uh, the community built from from the website and, and people sort of discussing what they were going to do and then the, the role-playing evolved more naturally out of that? Yes. People were saying, well, I want to be an elf and this is what my character is going to be. Uh, we started a thread called um, Methos Opens the Tavern and people would come in and they'd say what their characters were and then we would help them develop a backstory that the they then would split off into other threads and go into a forum role play, an actual storyline. Hmm. Wow! And uh, yeah, this dovetailed <laughs> in with the with the uh, official forums for Middle Earth Online, which became Lord of the Rings Lord Online, Rings Online right. and, which is still uh, up and which is still up and running, which is still a, a free yes, play it's, MMO. It's actually free now, mm-hmm, so anybody yeah. that wants to play it can go yeah. in and play it for free. Yeah, which is nice. Um, but being involved in that website, I'm going, okay, now if I'm going to play a game, I better start playing some games. <laughs> so I went out and along with the friendships that I had made from the website, got an introduction into role-playing in MMOs and played some of the older uh, games. Never did EverQuest or anything like that, but I did do Horizons when it first came out and fought that for a while. Did uh, Neocron, did... Uh, in some of the games that you just don't hear about anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and through the progression, I won't go into to detail about what happened with Lord of the Rings Online, etc. But I ended up at, uh, wow, at World of Warcraft. Where and we all we all seem to end up at WoW. <laughs> well, with how many billions of players, I think everybody <laughs> at least has a passing understanding of it. Yeah, exactly. And there's there's always a community to jump into there as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, In WoW, I actually went to WoW uh, kind of kicking and screaming because I heard it was not a very good role-playing game uh, for the type of role-playing that I enjoyed. But I was able to come in with uh, a few key people that I knew from uh, the old website that I ran, which we call Lotrasource. Meosaurus and then Lotrosource. And I was able to follow them into the game. They were already very well established in a guild, in a very strong guild. And so I was able to jump right in and learn the mechanics of the game, learn how the game worked, have a have a group of people that could pretty much hold my hand 
and, and sort of walk, walk you through, through it. it and give you an idea right. of what you should be doing. Right. Were right. they role players? So, so even though I knew MMOs at that point, I felt confident in MMOs at that point, I was able to really get into WoW pretty directly. And for somebody like me, I'm pretty klutzy in a game. I tend to be very shy and stand back. Uh, from games when I'm new in them. So having that back door getting into it was really special. And I think that's why my loyalty to WoW is still, even though I don't play it anymore, I feel very loyal to it and I feel very good about my experience there. Awesome. Since then, now the game that I play, and I tend to only play one game at a time, and uh, the game that I play now is uh, Star Wars. Yeah, the, uh, the Old Republic, the new MMO. Right, right. I played Star Wars Galaxy before and had some of my best role-playing experiences. Yeah, one of, one of my Star good Wars friends has, had, has the same experience. He went from, he, he loved Star Wars Galaxies. That was mm-hmm. among his favorite mm-hmm. ever. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, that game tanked. And yeah. that was so sad. That's that's exactly uh, what he said too. And mm-hmm. he's a, he's he actually this is a, my friend who is into live action role playing, um, and and he says the same thing. He's like it was such a dynamic and such an engaging role playing experience. And then mm-hmm. wow, was never that. So no, and I didn't realize how good I had it in Star Wars Galaxies until it went away. <laughs> yeah, the, so that's the way the old saying goes, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's a very um, inner. A, a very interesting introduction into gaming and it's really different than some of the other participants we've talked to. So kind of based on that and um, the gaming that you saw that your son doing, how do you define what a gamer is or who a gamer is? Oh, a gamer is anybody that enjoys playing games. I, it, to me, it's as simple as that. My son's play style is vastly different than mine. He could care less about a backstory. <laughs> he He's in there to get as much gear, the best gear, get the best DPS ratings, to be able to go in and kill the bosses. That's what he's all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, I could care less about that. But we're both gamers. Right. And my daughter's a gamer, too, but she wouldn't be caught dead in some of those situations. She's more a Sims. She'll play Star Wars. She'll play WoW. But it's mainly just to run around and explore. So do you see it mostly um, as people who play digital games? No. Um, it oh. could be uh, pen and paper. It could be board games. I, mean, I, I, see, I tend to think of gamers more of an online persona but that's because that's what i'm more comfortable with yeah. uh, but uh, i i think it runs a whole spectrum right yeah i, I agree i agree there's lots of different and it, it's interesting because it sounds like um from what you've described i would probably classify your son in mastery <laughs> the <laughs> mastery category Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm i'm finding that um, you know, it, we were talking about this a little bit in the, the episode where we talked about the guild and the axis of anarchy and, and the knights of good being sort of uh, contrasting to each other because self and mastery players. But I'm wondering if there's some conflict that tends to arise as well for mastery players with role players because the the approach to the game and the reason for the reasons for playing are so different. I think that in my experience, there are two very separate segments of the gaming society. They, they don't, there's not really a lot of crossover <laughs> between it, them. Well, no, not there's not a lot of crossover as in the daily play. Mm-hmm. But role players will 
uh, attempt, many, many will, not me, but many will attempt to stay up with the mastery level Mm -hmm. so that they can play with mastery people. And mastery people will at times acquiesce to a role-playing situation to play with the role-playing friends. Mm. So it's, at least in the guilds that I've been involved with, there's been a requirement for some level of Mm role-play. But there's also been a drive toward making sure that the guild uh, is very strong and that requires some sort of dexterity as far as having the right equipment and experience. Being being able to play, yeah. Yeah, being able to go into an instance or go into uh, a raid or something and not completely fall apart. Right, exactly. don't want that either. So there is a crossover, Mm -hmm. but it's more a necessity um, and not necessarily what you pick to choose to enjoy. Right. And that brings up an interesting thing that that only just sort of um, occurred to me, said that in your guild it was a requirement to have some sort of role-playing aspect. Um, When when I hang out in in WoW and I'm waiting for raids or whatever else it is I'm doing and I'm just sort of ethnographically observing the the trade chat and people talking to each other, you know, (laughs) broadly talking to each other in game. Don't, don't. Trade chat. Yeah, I know. It's a, it can be a very um, disturbing place, very, uh, especially for a feminist researcher. <laughs> um, but um, just to clarify for Rhonda, since she hasn't played WoW, the, tr- the trade chat's where people tend to talk trash um, just ah. about anything and everything. And it's also the place, it's, it's the... It's the the chat within the game that, that everybody can see. I mean, you can turn it off so you don't you don't have to see it if you don't want to engage in it. But if you are looking for pickup groups or pickup raids, and you know before they had the, sort of the raid finder and WoW where you could just jump into a queue and be automatically put in a group of people to raid. Before that, if you didn't have a raiding guild, it was sort of the one way that you could kind of like look for people to to mm. do raids with. And that was that's usually when I end up observing <laughs> what goes on in that that channel and that's what i was i was sort of doing was looking to see if there were opportunities for that it's also a fascinating place as a researcher although it does make me ill on occasion oh yeah 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 i can imagine it is Ask it's a simple question and get about 15 smart alligators yeah exactly if you're trying to if you're looking for help it's it's you're very unlikely to to find guidance especially especially in my personal experience in wow especially where people will be much more likely to be like you know don't you know what you're doing you noob you know and and not really have the supportive Mm. atmosphere i i have been in situations where i've gotten whispers from people who are like hey well this is what you need to do but they Mm -hmm. but they won't do it publicly (laughs) right right exactly as a a little side thing here and i i hope to not be uh, really compromising your podcast here but i was playing star wars the other day and someone asked a question and he got two or three uh, very good answers to it and then somebody came up with a smart aleck you know so is your mama sort of question a uh, sort of response and the next thing to come up in chat was come on dude go back to wow <laughs> oh and that's like a diss now that's that's a diss that's that's a burn <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, wow that's interesting i'm i'm not i'm not surprised um that's um uh in in eve um which is this the spaceship game online um the the basic feeling there is when you know somebody leaves uh eve for wow 
the collective intelligence of both games goes up. <laughs> That's what they say. That's their diss. But, but what- that is something with role players, though. You have to overcome that sensitivity. Right. Right. When you're playing in a game like WoW or anything, you can't let what's happening right. in that extraneous chat right it impact right. you. And and that and that's kind of what I was going to when I when I brought up I know that I'm the one who sort of took us down this 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 road, but what what I was thinking about in terms of the requirements of a role-playing guild being different what what you see advertised in 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 when people are recruiting in the trade chat they're generally recruiting either for raiding guilds or leveling guilds i don't i don't think once i've seen a a call come out for oh we're a role playing guild looking for other role players so mm-hmm. i'm wondering if and, and and like i said this is with wow and i'm wondering if you know as everybody sort of talked about wow it's not a particularly um, effective place for role playing or the community there maybe isn't as strong. I'm just wondering sort of um, the, the numbers or, or the likelihood of finding sort of finding role-playing communities in these MMOs. Well, in my experience, I have seen a lot of uh, shout-outs for role-playing guilds, mm-hmm. but they tend to be short-lived. And for me, I would never look into a guild that recruits that way because it tends to be people that uh, how do you say this delicately um (laughs) maybe you don't (laughs) they're not really lore-based role-playing mature people they tend to be folks that want to get together and talk Mm. and it usually Mm -hmm. ends up having a lot of drama (laughs) because these people don't necessarily segregate their personal lives from their gaming lives. Mm. Oh, so okay. uh, that, it, it, uh, go ahead. That makes sense because when you said that they don't they're they're short lived, I'm like, oh that sounds completely the opposite of what I expect from a role playing guild. Right. Um mm-hmm. that's so immersive. But now it, it to me what you're saying is that these people are looking for a community, but they don't seem to really know what the role playing aspect of the game is right right okay. and that's what you don't get in wow and it's actually very hard to maintain a role-playing guild it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy um the only time that i would consider joining a guild is when i would be in game and i would stumble across uh a, even at the smallest aspect of a role play going on um say that uh I've gone to the King of Stormwind to deliver a message and I'm warned off by someone saying there are bad things afoot. Uh, You're too young to be here. Uh, Stand your ground away from this place. And that's a way of telling me that there's another quest that's going on where there's going to be a lot of uh, like a horde coming in and attacking the king. Right. And I need to be aware that I shouldn't be there because I'm going to get killed because I'm I'm low level. Right. That's done in a role-playing scenario. So if I respond in kind to that person, thank you, good sir, for your message, you know, uh, I I must complete my quest, but then I will, you know, make sure that I'm not caught, whatever. That person seeing that I've done a little bit of role-play may whisper me and say, do you role-play often? Are you interested Mm -hmm. in we have a group? Mm -hmm. Hmm. And then I might check them out and see. Right. So, if so sort perhaps. of the the 
the introduction being somewhat organic in terms of mm-hmm. it, it just sort of appears in game and then and then you sort of find a like a like person in game that you play with right because then they have you already know that they've got some sort of dedication there already right and if they have an established group that's the one to look for right, right. those are rare those are few and mm. lots. well i think <clears throat> i think what regina was um, heading toward a while ago is um, if I understand what you said uh, correctly, Sharon, is that the 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 guilds that are, are put together, even in in WoW, um, a role player is an essential member of that guild, and. So I was kind of wanting to know how is it that um, what does a role player bring to a group that um, is working together in an MMO? I think what the role player brings to the group is a larger enjoyment of the game beyond just the mechanics. That it takes the lore, it takes the storylines, it takes the characterizations, the classes, and it gives them a, a deeper experience than simply um, going for the best gear. It's a difference between thinking about what you're doing, what you're typing, how you're moving, where you're going intrinsically beyond um, spamming the mouse button, um, attacking over and over the hack and slash sort of of mentality, uh, which is not wrong. If that's how you want to play, that's fine. Right. But I think role players are looking to add color, add vibrancy to the experience beyond just um, defeating the next boss. It sort, it sort of takes the, the lore, the story. I mean, a lot of people, and, and I'm, I'm sorry that I keep going back to WoW because that's what the MMO I have the most experience with. But I also played um, Dungeons & Dragons online, but the, the, the lore in that was really thin. Uh, there's there's mm-hmm. definitely more lore in, in WoW. Um, so, so you sort of incorporate the story that created the the environment itself and then you sort of take that and make your characters based on some of the the stories that sort of created the environment right Right. if if the game does not have lore it's not going to be a good role-playing game yeah um one of my favorite mmos for role-playing was a game called neocron i think i mentioned it earlier Mm -hmm. a a cyberpunk post-apocalyptic game uh, where you're pretty much fighting against other gangs and the other gangs are other players. And uh, it's definitely was a PvP uh, kill shot game, which is not my normal uh, type of gaming experience. I'm not a PvP player at all. But because the lore was so crisp... And the what was expected of you as a player, as far as the lore was concerned, was so well defined that it allowed for coming in and, and making a very sharp descent right into the game, getting right into it and being able to, within the guild that you have chosen, uh, being able to completely immerse yourself in right away. And the developers kept that pretty strict at least in my experience Mm -hmm. and so it was sort of designed to be that kind of environment 
at least in my experience, mm-hmm. I, I did come in in a rather novel way, uh, once again, joining a guild that was very well established. Mm-hmm. In fact, that guild was 100% RP in-game. You had to be in character. Right, so, so you weren't and, like, hey, I just you know, stubbed my toe or whatever. <laughs> right, even, yeah. even in chat, yeah. you had to be in-game. In and and yeah. in fact, um, our guild had a... Um, agreement with the developers that if we stayed in character completely at all times that we would get certain perks and benefits Hmm. so other guilds would try to trip us up and get us to go out of character (laughs) uh, so that we would violate those agreements and it was very interesting Interesting. very interesting interesting. well now i'm 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 getting really really um curious and excited to hear then about your actual process for for yourself in de- developing characters mm-hmm. especially since um it, it's so immersive for you as far as um wanting a a good lore and and mythos and everything um but I, I really want to get into more detail about how you how you do that and i don't know um if it's better to go with um a particular game like neocron or we could even just go with star wars mm-hmm. right now Probably and, Star Wars would be the best because it's the most current. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'd love to hear um, about that. Yeah. Did you now? Did you prepare before Star Wars came out? Um, did you Did you start preparing your characters then or after the game came out? I know of people that do prepare ahead of time, but I am not one of those people. Um, okay. Other than the fact that I've been a Star Wars enthusiast, I, I was in the theater in 1977 when it first came out. And, and was there the first week. Not because I was such a Star Wars fan at that time. It just was a happy accident. <laughs> and I was completely blown away by what I was seeing and the experience I was having. So I've been a Star Wars fan, but not a rabid fan. I'm not somebody that can tell you all of the planets and the outer rims and the history of, of the Empire and the Republic. I, I can't tell you that. I, I don't have that logical of a brain. So I waited for the game itself uh, to come out. And then I'm a very careful role player. Um, I usually spend a lot of time in a new game exploring the different classes, exploring the different storylines. I will create a new character and then uh, across the entire panoply of of, uh, classes, I'll create a character in every class and I'll take them through like level 1 through 10 and get a feel for them before I actually start really developing a character. Because oh, I then, yeah. I, I want to know which one feels the best to me as a storyteller. And that depends on the mechanics of the game, too. Uh, for example, in Star Wars, I am, like I said, I'm a very klutzy player. And one of the things that I have the hardest time with is space combat. I just don't do very well. Um, <laughs> so I don't enjoy it. Because you're talking about spaceships, yeah. Go, uh, you're flying. in a ship, and you're yeah. you're having to follow people, uh, follow other ships in space. You have particular directives, like uh, take out the enemy warship, but you have to target certain areas, and you have to have missiles and your photons yeah. and all that sort of thing. Um, I'm not real good at that. I don't multitask in game all that well. (laughs) So I don't enjoy that mechanical aspect of Star Wars as much as I do being on the ground. 
Therefore, I don't want to play as much as I love the story of the smuggler. I don't want to play that character because Mm. how can you have a smuggler such as Han Solo who can't combat in a spaceship? I mean, that just doesn't make sense. Mm. Now, mechanically, uh, the game would allow me to not do uh, in-space combat anytime I wanted. I don't have to. That's not a requirement of the game. But for me, creating a character that you associate with having a rogue ship but not being able to to uh, navigate that ship very successfully in space when under fire doesn't make sense. So I'm not going to create a character that I'm going to put a lot of energy into so there because is- – in my role-playing, how I am as a gamer and my role-playing persona, I just couldn't marry those two together. So, so you, you really, this is really interesting and really contrasting to the, um, the role-player that we talked about, I think, in episode three, who started her role-playing experience from character creation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there has to be, the, the, the logic of the story has to work for you. So, so your, your gameplay and how you go in and play the character has to work with the story that you create for that character. Like you said, you couldn't be a smuggler or, or a rogue, you know, getaway, who, who can't fly and fight mm-hmm. <laughs> effectively right, in that right. way. So those um, things have to work together. Absolutely. So but then what's it, the next decision process then? After the mechanics, then, I mean, I don't know how many classes there are in Star Wars, but then where do you go from there in, in deciding what characters you play? How many characters do you try to maintain at one time? At the beginning, and when I say at the beginning, I'm talking about months. I spend a lot of time early on. Uh, so even now, even though I've been playing Star Wars since it came out, I still don't have a character that's over level 20. Wow. And, okay. Uh, yeah. A max so, is uh, 60 right now? Is max uh, I think 50? it's 50. 50? Okay, I can't mm-hmm. remember. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's not typical. I can't <laughs> say that, that I, am, I am a typical uh, role player in that maybe there are a lot of other people out there like me. I don't know. But um, I've created probably about 30 characters. Mm. And because I'll create one, there are four classes. And within each class, there are two. Once you hit level 10, you have two options for those classes mm-hmm. to go. So I will try all of them out and go, okay. And as I'm trying them out mechanically my brain starts to think, where can I go with a character on this? What kind of personal backstory can I develop for this character? And the ones that I tend to stick with are the ones that things just tend to flow. It's like, oh, Mm. I could do this. Oh, I could do this. So I tend to stay with two main characters. Once I break out of the, the start and create a a character that I go, this is the one, this is one of those that I'm going to stick with. So I tend will have, I tend to have two of them. One of them that's really a main that I really enjoy going with. And another one that's kind of like a a palate cleanser. When I get tired of (laughs) fighting this one way, then I can move over to the other one. That's a nice, very interesting thing. Yeah. But, but so there's sort of an organic reaction that you have after you sort of get in and you play the classes and you get, uh, you know, some level of familiarity with the the game style and the gameplay, 
the level of comfort or sort of organic connection that you feel to the to the game and to how you can sort of evolve in it mm-hmm. is part of what pushes you to focus more on that character. Absolutely. And that's step one. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> step two, then, once I've gone, okay, this is where I want to go, I actually start developing the character. And that's done away from the game. Um, mm-hmm. That is where I start to go, okay, where does she come from? And it's almost always a she. Mm-hmm. Uh, where does she come from? What is her background? Uh, what has motivated her to be at this point in her life? Where is she going? How is she going to relate to others? And then I will step away from the game and I'll go to other sources such as Wikipedia. And I will start going to, okay, I want her to be from a cold weather planet. Let's look for cold weather planets and find a cold weather planet. Okay, where did she, what was her family life like? And I really get into developing a character. Hmm. And back when I was in um, Lotrasource, we had a, a gentleman who was an exemplary role player. And he came up with a, a method called the character diamond. And what that was is that you took your character and you gave them four sides to their personality. And you define those four sides and then you played your character coming from those four different uh, facets of their personality. And it could be something like timid or outgoing. Um, it, It could be any number of things, but there had to be four of them and you wanted to have one to be less than um, admirable, a little bit of frailty, a little bit of, of uh, vulnerability somehow in there. And anybody who's role-playing will go, oh, that's not a problem. But you sit down, you try to do four of them, and they're, they're not things like rich. You can't say, oh, they're rich or they're privileged. It can't be something that has worked on them. It has to come from who they are underneath as an individual. So an internal characteristic. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Two is easy. Three is a little more difficult. Four is incredibly hard. Hmm. But once you've come up with those four, now you have a framework of being able to go out and respond to the game as though you were that character. So, so is, well, did you see? Did you see any other patterns in the characters, the one and two characters you end up with? Besides that, uh, very frequently it's a it's a female. Um, I tend for me personally, I tend to always go for the light side, the good side, the good person. I don't play horde uh, very often. I don't play. Um, Empire, I play the Alliance, um, or the Rebellion. Uh, I, I tend to always be virtuous. Mm. I can't play an evil character very successfully. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so I, I tend to have that stricture. But other than that... What about, back, what about background? Do they, they tend to come from a tragic background, uh, a full family background? I try to always have a full family black background because I want to buck the trend of, oh, my family was slaughtered by the empire and now I'm out to get my revenge. I mean, everybody does that. In Star Wars Galaxy, the joke always was, well, how many parents do you have? One or none. <laughs> and uh, 
So I always wanted to come from a strong background. I still had a full family. It was a nuclear family. Uh, my Star Wars galaxy is, uh, I came from uh, farmers and very loving family, and I had four older brothers, and two of the brothers had gotten married and gone off and were doing their farming, and uh, my two younger brothers that were kind of hotheads went off and joined uh, the the Rebel Alliance, and um, I didn't really know what I thought of that, but I still loved them, so I had a little bit of sympathy that way, and then all of a sudden one of them disappeared, and, and that's where the story came from. So I I tend to never create characters that are in in turmoil as far as the background is concerned. I guess I want a very solid background. The development that you're doing, are you purposely trying to... Um, create something incredibly new or are there facets of it in there that, that are, do there have to be facets in there that you personally identify with? I, for me, I think there have to be facets that I personally identify with because otherwise I can't be uh, comfortable with knowing mm. how to respond to situations. Sort of that, that same sort of feeling of needing to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To a point, mm-hmm. to a point. But I think anybody goes into gaming with wanting to be more than who they are. <laughs> and I'm definitely not one of those people that loses myself into the character. When I go into a game, I might uh, become that character, but it's not me, Sharon, as this person. It's that I've stepped out of who Sharon is and become the character in the game. Right. I've stepped away from who I am. But I, in order to authentically be able to respond to things, there has to be some basis of what do I know as who I am as Sharon. Yeah, I think that's. I think that that idea, that concept came out pretty clear in the interview that we originally did, and I think that's why I thought you were an interesting combination of self and role playing, mm-hmm. where where it was sort of building out of who you were, and you still had to sort of recognize it, or recognize the you know some aspects of the character in order to create that character. Mm-hmm. I I sometimes wonder that if I go to an end game, I very rarely get to end game because I spend so much time in the where I am. But when I get to Endgame, would I then go back and create a character that's the antithesis <laughs> of that experience just to do something different? Because by then, the game itself will be so familiar. Right. And what I'm going to hit is going to be so familiar that I don't have to worry about being flustered by, oh my gosh, what would I be doing? I'd have the game under my fingers, as it were. So if I have that familiarity, could I then turn around and be the opposite of what I would expect of myself. I've never really gotten to that point. Well, I kind of want you to do that and then come back and tell us about it. <laughs> <laughs> Share your well, if experience. I ever do, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so so with the with the role playing and the role playing communities that you've been involved in in game, have have you seen a difference in approach between male and female role players or is, is there sort of the role playing enough of a priority that it sort of trumps gender or any sort of conflict that you might see there between between players? Um that's kind of hard to say mainly because most of the people that I have interacted with even in role playing groups have been males. I don't see a lot of females hmm. In the role-playing groups, um, not to say I haven't seen some very good and and some very strong female role players, 
but they tend to be males. And even female characters quite often are males in the role playing. Right. Well, well, that's that's a long standing tradition in terms right. of pen and paper role playing and and LARPing and and all that. There, there's a long standing tradition of sort of si- of drag of you know gender mm-hmm. performance in those in those traditions. So it's it's not surprising. To hear right. That. Right. But I I tend to see. Um, the role-playing partners that I've gotten the most out of have been male. They seem to be more willing to jump expectations, as it were. The, the female role-players, except for a notable few, uh, tend to be more timid in what's expected of them. And, and maybe that's because they're not as comfortable in the gaming and the role-playing married together. Mm-hmm. But I've, I seem to in my experience, that it's usually males, which is a little surprising. You would think since it's kind of a softer way of playing, <laughs> right. you well, would see more yeah. females. Yeah, or, or the, the idea of the the fantasy or the escape as, as mm-hmm. key. I mean, that, that a lot of the research that I read you know, while I was working on the dissertation talked about the fantasy and the escape being key for women gamers. So you would think mm-hmm. that taking that sort of to the next level and creating a whole new identity would be something that, that would be very attractive to women. So it, mm-hmm. it, it is kind of interesting to think about that the most, most of the people you've played with have been male. Right. I think though at the level that I get into it, and I do get into role play more than your garden variety gamer. I understand mm-hmm. that even, even the garden variety role playing gamer, they tend to be people that really enjoy doing a lot of scholarly research mm-hmm. into the character, et cetera, um, spend more time. I don't want to say on an intellectual level because I don't want to imply that gamers that don't role play aren't intellectual. Right. They certainly have their own well, skill sets that are very well deserved. That, that was one of the first things that my my uh, committee chair said to me when I presented her with the gamer types. She looked over them and read them, and she and her her observation was that role players are probably the most sophisticated in terms of identity formation and the, and the way they can shape identity because to hold who you are and who the character is that you're playing t- takes a certain level of sophistication in, in recognizing your identity and, and one that you're assuming. Mm-hmm. So sophisticated I, might be a good way to, to, to look at it, yeah. But then, again, on the other hand, I've seen some of the best role players I've ever seen are ones that just seem to really enjoy the fantasy and it settles onto them like like a cloak mm. that, that they can just step into this other world and and understand it from a fantastical way and and that's amazing too that i can't do that i have to work hard Mm -hmm. to understand the lore right and to, to really get into it but some people can just step into it and just the flights of fancy they come up with are wonderful are spectacular and it's not because they've read the books or they've done the research it's just they tend to understand the environment and and that's Marvelous. That's wonderful. Is a gaming community, a role-playing community important to you? And and what do you look for in that type of community? A role-playing community is very important to me if I'm going to get into a game to the level I desire. Now, there are some games that I enjoy just killing things. And that's fine. Right. <laughs> there's there's no problem with that. But once I really say that this is going to be my role playing experience, 
community is very important. And that's right now with Star Wars what I'm lacking. Uh, I'm lacking a community. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That, that was going to be my and question was whether or not you had a community there. No, I have not found it yet. Now it is new. Yeah. It's yeah. still fairly new. Is, yeah. Um, and there are a lot of people that understand Star Wars. So there's a lot of of knowledge there because it's been around for so long as, as part of our cultural awareness. Um, but I haven't seen any good role-playing communities come out yet in my experience. Is, it, it, is part of it um, because you are in such early stages of development of your characters, maybe? That could be part of it, but I think more of it is that Star Wars tends to attract a, a lot of gamers who want to not who, who want to dabble in role playing, mm-hmm. but mainly want to go out and be a Jedi and kick some ass. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. and, and there's nothing wrong with that. If they're enjoying it, there's nothing wrong with that. But the level that I'm interested in demands more than the flyboy sort of approach. And I don't think we've gotten, I don't think the game has fostered that. Maybe part of it is because the story itself is so rich that you don't really need a community. It's it's definitely geared toward a casual gamer in many aspects. So maybe they've kind of taken the need for the role-playing community away in that you can, as an individual have a very deep experience as far as becoming a character without relying on the community, which is a new thing to me. Right. Well, yeah, yeah it's such a, a, a different gaming experience. Um, at least it was for me when I, when I went in and played it. And, and as I said, in other episodes, I've only sort of dabbled in it at this point. But the, the role-playing is truly built into the game itself mm-hmm. and the game mechanics in a way that, you know, I haven't seen in other MMOs that I've played. So, so, right. so you and might that's, be. That's yeah. the Bioware way. Yeah, so. it is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The Bioware way. It's, it's very much, and, and what I appreciate about the way they tell stories in their games, that's, that's sort of key to the choices that you make as you're going through and playing the game do have, a, you know, a direct impact on the story that you're creating. And so, mm-hmm. so maybe, maybe it won't lend itself quite so much to, I mean, it sort of remains to be seen, like you said, it's still sort of a new game, but maybe it won't lend itself as much to role-playing because it's built into the game. I think that's a very good observation. Yeah, yes. we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. That'll be an interesting sort of thing. For for me as a player, I, I was like, but I, I think it was sort of the mastery, uh, the biting mastery that I have <laughs> going on when I, I felt like it was moving so slowly sometimes. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> come on, I just want to go play, you know, and, and, uh-huh. and have to click through. I can, I can see that. Yeah. And to me, I think it's going too fast. <laughs> I want to stop and, and really explore right. a lot more uh, than the game allows allows me to because there are no rewards right. for for playing that way right. and that's part of why I level mm. so slowly right. is because I want to and that's what what um, Lord of the Rings online does so wonderfully mm-hmm. is that it allows you to explore and still get rewards while exploring right right um, that's and that's unique for that game I don't yes. I, I mean I you know there are some rewards in, in wow of um, uncovering areas and I think there's a big achievement for having uncovered like the, all of the map areas or something like mm-hmm, that mm-hmm, so, there so there's that but but if you're not an achievement person or you're not really into that that aspect of the game it, it doesn't sort of build in terms of oh you know 
this will give you a chance at this gear or whatnot if you uncover all of the different maps. So, mm-hmm. so just to wrap up then, and I, I really... I really hate to end this conversation because to me it's very interesting. I just, um, I'm preparing for Diablo 3, and for the first time I've sat down and, and created a character before the games come out in every class. And that's kind of new to me, but I, a part of it is my excitement in anticipating the game and, and deciding, you know, the kind of character I'm going to like. But knowing that you're a mother and that you had, um, kids that play games how many of your friends or uh, relatives know that you're a gamer and what kind of response do you get from that oh i thought we were wrapping up (laughs) 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 um virtually everybody that i know that knows me beyond the the most superficial level knows that i'm a gamer but Generally, the reaction I get, uh, for example, when I was working and my coworkers knew I was a gamer, there was kind of like, oh, that's nice. And then we'll move on to another topic. Not that they thought that it was a bad thing. They just discounted it. It just wasn't worth dismissive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I was at the height of working on the website, on the Lotus Source website, and something would happen that was so exciting because there were so many just incredibly exciting things happen. I was working with a group of people that were so incredibly talented. I would try to share with them uh, what was going on, and there just was no basis and no desire to really understand uh, that part of my life. Uh, my family... Well, my kids, it's it's a way that we communicate. We communicate with games a lot through achievements in games and through experiences we've had in gaming. My husband doesn't game at all. And I remember one time I was having a conversation about WoW with my son, and my husband was looking at us, and when we were done, he just said, you know, you're talking a whole different language. I have no idea what you were saying. But we were very engaged with each other, my son and I. And he said, I kind of wish I could do that, too. Mm. Uh, but he's just not a gamer. But because of the level of, of uh, being able to relate to each other and being excited about what was happening and being able to share that as a mother and son, he, he was on the outside looking in and he wished that he had had that experience. But generally, if somebody's not a gamer, um, they just discount it. They just, oh, that's nice. And, then, and that's that's about it. Yeah. They don't look down on it. They, yeah, they but just I, don't understand or don't, or maybe don't, don't understand, understand the appeal for uh, you. Right. Now, if I were to be like Clara in the guild, I'm sure it would be slightly different. Um, but, uh, I think it would be I slightly have, different for all of us if we were right. like Clara in I've, the guild. I've always been very careful to make sure that, well, for, for a while when I was first into gaming, it did start to slip out of balance. So I had to step back and go, okay, now what's really important here and and reorganize my priorities. And since then, I've been able to maintain those priorities. So that's helped. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if that answered your question. No, it, yeah, that was great. Because I, I, I will I say, think, too, let me say, Rhonda, that some sure. of my best friends are people that I've met through gaming. Oh, and okay. I have been one of those people that have has been blessed in being able to actually meet these people they're not just voices 
coming over a chat or uh, a type or a, a character in a game. I've been able to meet them face to face and go out into them and, and get to know them as human beings beyond the gamers. And uh, some of them that I met my first days in Lotrasource 10, 12 years ago, uh, including some of the like the development staff at, at Turbine, I still keep in touch with them and such. They're some of my closest friends, some of those gamers, even though they don't necessarily live in my town. Yeah. Some of them, one of them does, actually, which is kind of cool. But, uh, so that's been well, very interesting. I could talk about the role playing all day because yeah. it's it's <laughs> one of the it's one of the subjects we haven't touched on as much. Yeah, and um, it's definitely it, it's really rich and and very interesting. But um, Regina, did you have anything else you wanted to talk to Sharon about? Oh, I think we I think we pretty much hit most of the uh, the the questions that I had and the things. We might have to do a, a follow up and see if maybe we can get another role player on and have a couple of people talk and sort of compare mm-hmm. their their experiences with. Oh, that would be playing. fun. Yeah, I definitely say that I'm I'm probably not the typical. <laughs> well, well, I I think for you know. I, I said elusive at the beginning of the podcast because it was the smallest section of the of the people I talked to for the study identified as role players, and so um, that that idea I think is more. Um, I, there there are plenty of people I think who who do role play in in the games, but I even think you know some of us have a hard time in different situations sort of outing ourselves as gamers. I think it ends up becoming the same kind of thing with role playing. It it it. it is more difficult for people to say, oh, this is what I do, you know, and you're excited <laughs> about it, but it, but other people don't see it and, and take it seriously. It, it, it's always sort of surprised me because it's like, I think I said this before, I can't remember. We, we pay actors so much money to portray characters that are written for them, but we think people who make their own characters <laughs> are sort of outcasts in some way. And, and it's like the talent it takes and, and the sophistication and the engagement to take the lore to create a character and to maintain that character while you're playing i think is just absolutely fantastic so we'll come back to this to this topic so so just keep keep that in mind sharon that i, I may be uh hitting you up to come back on the show again to talk Fine, about Matt, again. Your disposal, Regina. all right thank you very much and so thank <laughs> thanks you. sharon yeah thank you thank for, you Rhonda. for being on um i it, it f- remind me sharon your twitter is arctic wren right Yes. Is that correct? So at Arctic Wren, I will link to her on on the page as well. Thank you very much for listening uh, as we're wrapping up our show here. Um, If you haven't already, please subscribe to Game On Girl via iTunes or the RSS feed, which you can find on the website. Let me and Rhonda know on Twitter or on the website uh, what you're thinking about the show, if you have any suggestions for topics you'd like us to talk about, or if you yourself are a role player and you'd like to come on and share your experience or any other of the type of gamers as well, please let us know if you're interested in coming on the show. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, This podcast is recorded with Audacity, and the theme song, Good Day, by Triple Fox, is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks for listening, and until next time... Game on.